0: Hello CC members and partners, welcome back to the CC Podcast Telco. I'm your host, Eva Erner, joining you live from the Berlin studio. And today we are going to revisit Ellalink's CC webinar live session from our Lisbon 2022 GCCM. We're experts from Cambridge Managing Consulting, AMSIX, Enexo and Ellalink. Come together to discuss ISPs' future connectivity and digital demand. Vincent Gatineau, CSMO at Elalink, Aki Ulhas, partner at Cambridge Management Consulting, Emra Yohumas, account manager at AMSIX, and Ethan Lawler, business development manager at EnEXO, share their professional insights in the region of partnership models between ISPs and content cloud and capacity providers and how companies can meet isps current and future capacity and connectivity demands as well as the significance of partnerships in submarine development so let's take a listen
1: platform Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, the isps future connectivity and digital demand again a mouthful and i'm very happy to see so many people here in the audience as well so good a warm welcome to you good morning uh, that worked far better than yesterday. <laughs> <Far. clears throat> so, um, today we're going to talk about the ISP future connectivity. Um, and, uh, with this, we have an, uh, a very executive panel, uh, here, uh, next to me and virtually, uh, I'll give them a quick minute to introduce themselves. And, uh, and of course, uh, from our sponsor of this session, Ella Link. So Vincent, over to you, over to Marseille. Bonjour.
2: Bonjour Eric, bonjour, thank you for receiving us today. And uh, as I was saying just before, a bit jealous not to be uh, with you there. Um, I'm hoping you all have a great time in, uh, in Lisbon. So I, I am Vincent Gatineau, I'm uh, heading sales and marketing at, uh, at Elalink. And uh, I will start immediately by sharing a little slide, if I may. Um, all right. Can you see that? Yes. So for those who, who, who don't know, ElaLink, uh, ElaLink uh, is the subsea cable uh, which is aiming at providing a, uh, a better connectivity between Europe and Latin America, and is providing basically a, a fantastic diversity compared to whatever has existed in the past. And of course, uh, as we are directly connecting the both continents, uh, the, the best latency ever. Uh, that you can experience between Brazil and Portugal. So uh, basically, uh, Elin connects CNES in the south part of Portugal with Fortaleza, but as well uh, as its own infrastructure uh, to uh, interconnect data centers in Lisbon, uh, Madrid, uh, Marseille, but as well in Rio and Sao Paulo. So, I, I assume a lot of you, uh, especially in Portugal, have heard about us, and uh, and I have a couple of uh, of news to, to share with you. Uh, first of all, I would say uh, we've been opening new uh, new pops, uh, especially in Brazil. So now we have a, a, a new pop in in Globnet uh, in Fortaleza. So Globnet is a is a main data center of Fortaleza, which is becoming uh, one of the biggest hub uh, in the world for subsea cable. If I'm not mistaken, we have 14 cables uh, landing now uh, in Fortaleza and, and uh, having Ella link uh, reaching now, uh, opening this pop uh, in this data center, allow us to reach uh, more and more customers and to have as well a, a better interconnection point there. Uh, But I think the the major news uh, we wanted to share with you uh, in uh, in Portugal is that uh, actually uh, Elalink is looking at uh, creating a new connection, a new subsea cable, uh, domestic cable in Portugal, and this to connect CNES and Lisbon. Uh, As you know, uh, there are massive uh, data center uh, development in CNES with uh, with a starting campus uh, project. And, uh, and we are aiming to uh, improve the connectivity between the Metro of Lisbon with uh, the future mega data center of, uh, of CNES. So basically our aim is to connect uh, a data center from data center at fiber level. And for this we will uh, uh, we intend uh, to, uh, to build a subsea cable of 150 km, which can going to be a non-repeater cable with a massive quantity of fibers. So we are aiming at deploying 48 fiber pairs. And really what we want to have is to connection data center to data center to any of them. So either uh, going from Equinix in Lisbon uh, to uh, our station or to... Uh, the future uh, data center of Start Campus, which is currently uh, under um, under construction. Uh, we are as well aiming to uh, connect alternative points in Lisbon. and am especially thinking of uh, the project, uh, the data center of uh, of Altis, LDC data center, uh, which uh, we had the chance to discuss uh, last week in London with the teams of uh, of Altis. And and the aim then at at uh, infrastructure level is to provide Provide a very secure uh, infrastructure uh, to connect this metro with uh, a future mega data center, and to have maximum security of this cable. so it's a hundred percent burial design that we are putting uh, in place, either on the on the subsea and on the on the on the terrestrial. And we are as well uh, taking benefits from the infrastructure we already built uh, in CNES with uh, the, bo- the massive bar pipe we have uh, we have there. So today, uh, this uh, cable is in planning and uh, definitely uh, we are uh, pushing this message towards the market uh, to uh, call for interest and to uh, propose to the market to become an anchor partner of this uh, future infrastructure. Uh, Of of course, the objective of of, uh, accessing the the project immediately is, of course, to get a benefit in terms of uh, of cost and, and, and to access it at the ownership cost uh, and participated to the, to the construction of it. So I wanted to be super brief with that, so that's a bit all uh, that, uh, that we have for, for, for today as, as an update. Uh, our team is there present in the Lisbon. you can uh, get in touch with me or directly with them. and uh, well, we'll be happy to discuss our new projects. Okay, th-
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much, um, uh, Vincent. Let me have a quick look in the audience here if there are any questions for you. Good. I know it's nine, 10 o'clock in the morning, so you can wake up now. <laughs> Was everything so clear for you? Vincent, you have been absolutely clear. <laughs> Nobody has a question. And uh, for whatever question for Ellalink, they can come to you for- offshore, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Please, okay. please get in touch with the team there and, of course, with me, uh, you find my contact easily.
1: Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for your presentation and your keynote uh, sharing. So um, let's go to, the, uh, to, to my final panelists. I'll give them quickly a minute to, to introduce themselves. And... Uh, Ethan, if I may start with you, please. Yeah,
3: absolutely. So uh, my name is Ethan Lawler. I'm uh, head of business development for the UK and Ireland for Anexo. Uh, Anexo are one of the fastest growing Salesforce partners in Europe over the last couple of years, uh, and we work exclusively in the, in the telecommunications space. Uh, so yeah.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, Emra, welcome to you as well. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Uh, good morning everyone i'm emrah yorulmaz i'm in the sales team in amsix which is one of the biggest internet exchanges in the world we have at the moment almost 900 connected networks with a peak traffic of 11 terabit per second and uh, responsible for the customers and partners for our internet exchange in amsterdam but we also have our own internet exchanges all around the world
1: thank you Thank you, and if somebody does not um, um, uh, recognize uh, Emra, look at his socks, because you see the logo of the M6. Now, everybody goes like this. <laughs> Fantastic, cool. Good having you. Thank you and welcome. And last but not least, Aki, I mean, to, to 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 get the helicopter view about the complete market, um, I'm very happy and proud to have you here with me. So, um, please. Yeah, thanks, Eric. <clears throat> My
5: name is Aki Ulias. I'm a partner at Cambridge Management Consulting. We are consulting company without any consultants so we are all industry experts so we are now totaling about almost 140 people in a, in the company in 17 different countries focusing on on basically digital transformation my responsibility is uh, my <clears throat> i'm heading the uh, data center and subsea capabilities within the cambridge plus plus then i have also overall responsibility uh, for the nordic markets
1: Okay, thank you, and gentlemen, good having you here ex- together with uh, with Vincent, which was uh, remotely. Um, so, um, ISP future connectivity and digital demand. Um, let's take it one step back. Um, the ISP landscape. Um, uh, Emra, if I may, start with you. Can you give us an uh, an uh, an overview? What's What's out there? What, what are we talking about?
4: Yeah. For the uh, ISPs, as as am six, we are working with uh, many ISPs all over the world, not only in Europe, but all over the world, because uh, we have almost 900 connected networks. And uh, most of those networks, they are the ISPs. And as part of it, uh, we have different uh, partnership models with them. So some of them, they only connect and become our customers on members. But at the same time, we have partners, ISPs. Uh, They become our reseller. They bundle their transport, and then uh, they bundle it with AM6 port and sell it a one-stop-shop service to their customers all around the world. With this service, uh, any customers, let me say in Oceania or in Brazil, in Latin America, they can easily connect to AM6. Um, Apart from this, we have strategic ISP partners as well. As part of it, uh, we try to support the local community all around the world. With HEC, for example, we have a strategic partnership with them in the US and uh, in Hong Kong and in Singapore. Again, in Egypt, we uh, partner with uh, Telecom Egypt in order to support the local community. And then uh, in Bahrain, we have the partnership with Batelco. And uh, in India, again, with Sifi. So, in a nutshell, I would say we are in a close cooperation with ISPs because. The internet connectivity with data is increasing rapidly because of the digitalization all around the world. If we look at the market in in Europe and in North America, it's uh, very well developed. But when we look at other regions, they are also uh, getting in peace and then they are also uh, increasing their internet connectivity.
1: Thank you. Um, Ethan? your scope on the let's say on the characteristics of the isp market what, 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 what do you see around you
3: yeah i think
1: i think the industry is breathing a, a collective
3: kind of sigh of relief after after covid and uh, and understanding exactly exactly where we are and actually getting some some action plans in in place so we're seeing huge investments um uh, both in infrastructure and uh, and also on the software side of things so we're working with with partners globally uh, as well in order to to really drive that uh, and start planning for for the increased demand. I know something that's been talked about a lot here has been, uh, you know, uh, connecting Africa to uh, to the rest of of the network and South America, like without a link. Uh, and I think we we really need to be um, focusing on on getting getting the playing field level uh, as we uh, as we move forward into uh, into what the rest of the decade
1: holds. Okay, Aki, helicopter view from your side. <clears throat> yeah. I think the interconnections
5: are are getting more and more important for the for the ISPs. So, especially during the COVID, uh, we have huge amount of traffic in the in the networks. It's increasing constantly, and of course, the ISPs' role. The market is kind of driven there as well, though the data data is uh, owned by the the hyperscalers. But then we need the ISPs to actually deliver that somehow, uh, and be kind of a working there but yeah the interconnections are make have increasing importance uh in order to improve the connectivity and um, not only just the 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 isps but the the isps will also bring the the um, enterprise customers Mm -hmm. and enterprise cloud interconnections and so on are are increasing very rapidly because everything is (laughs) moving into the into the cloud
1: so Okay, thank you. Um, uh, Vincent, over, over to you. Um, um, what do you think? How to meet the ISP current and future capacity and, and connectivity demands? I mean, um, it must be on your eyeball because you're investing and you're planning and you're doing. It's, it's amazing what, what, what you and Ella Link are, are doing. So what's your view on that one?
2: Well, I would say that AstraZeneca was putting in a, in a, on several geographies that, that's for each of them of the specific market of ISP and a, a specific landscape, right? So if you look at uh, Brazil for as, a, as an example, there is, I think, more than a, it's a continent by itself, right? There is a, a, around 7,000 ISPs that are registered there, which I would say several hundred are actually uh, very active. And this is creating a, a very competitive and fluid and market over there. So there is a lot of consolidation coming every year, every year. And so um, in other geographies, that's what we see, for example, I was uh, discussing with, uh, with some uh, uh, officials in, uh, in in Africa, in Mauritania, uh, a push to create independent and private ISPs, and this is ramping up slowly, but it's a way for them of providing as well more accessible and internet for, 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 for their people, for their subscribers, right? So uh, for, for us, there, we are an infrastructure, big infrastructure provider, looking at international, and sometimes ISP is very focused at the at the local or or regional or or domestic market. But uh, what we do for them usually is to apply uh, for all of them an open and natural behavior uh, compared to, I would say, other massive players. And we are trying not to compete, of course. And and this is the way we have to to, to support their necessities. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, thank you, Ethan. Yeah, I think um, I
3: think it's actually something you said yesterday, uh, Eric, in, in one of our talks. Was uh, we're we're really blessed uh, in this industry to to kind of have a pretty good idea of of what it's going to look like for the for the next ten years or so. Uh, you know the, the demand is going to be keep increasing and uh, and we need to be uh, adjusting for that. One of the key things I think we need to be focusing on is is interoperability between between all aspects of the industry. Uh, so yeah from submarine through to ISP and uh, and I think yeah uh, investing in software is, Obviously, says the software guy on the panel, uh, is uh, <laughs> is is a is a really a, a key part of that, uh, as well as uh, API standardization uh, across uh, and the value that can bring to us as we move forward. Uh, also, uh, you know, uh, we're working with um, a telia carrier or, or Aurelian, as they are now, um, and with uh, I think it was three to four months after after implementing. Our, our solution or a solution uh, like our, like ours, they said uh, they were able to to cover the investment cost on that because with the data they've received, they were able to to change plans on future pops, um, and this this sort of of data is is really insightful when, as the demand increase, we're not always going to have as much time to be able to react properly. You know.
1: Okay, no, but, but by the end of the day, I mean, without software, nothing runs. So <laughs> that's that's the importance of of software, of course. Um, Eminem? What's your take on it on the on the future demand? You, you see uh, how the ISPs can meet that? Yeah. So
4: um, I, I agree with almost all of it. You know, the... Almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, everything. And then, uh, so it's obvious that we are going to be seeing a lot more traffic in the future. We see a lot of data centers all around the world. That's a sign, you know, because there is going to be more traffic. So we need to... Uh, store those somewhere and as part of it we see many new submarine cables uh being laid out on the on the bottom of the oceans and seas and uh, with this everyone is obviously in the ecosystem everyone is trying to to do their best in order to support this because uh, with the uh, new technologies new trends we are going to be creating a lot of content a lot of data and this has to be managed with the driverless cars, with the uh, IoT, with uh, AI, and so on, with meta. So um, what I see, you know, uh, the industry, they are managing it pretty well, and I'm sure in the future, uh, it's gonna be a great. And uh, with more ISPs, with more submarine cables, with more internet exchanges around the world, it will be managed in a, in a pretty well manner, and uh,
1: digitalization will proceed. Um, with regards to the driverless cars, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I think they will drive. But I'm always trying to imagine, what, well, how would that be? You know, I mean, you're from Finland. There are the, the best rally drivers come from Finland, also from France, uh, by the way, uh, <laughs> and Spain. Um, how would they do that? I mean, would that work or not? <laughs> that, that's, I don't, I don't think so. That fast. But um, um, uh, Aki, your view on 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 the demand, how you see it, and how can the ISPs um, um, meet that? Because it's quite a pressure on them now.
5: Yeah, it is. It is very challenging because <clears throat> how can you? Uh, it's still quite easy to predict the capacity growth, looking at at the end user, end user how they uh, they act in the in the market, how how much data they consume, and so on. But the growing amount of, of machine-to-machine communication, that's going to be the tricky one. Mm-hmm. And it affects all parts of our, our ecosystem because we need new routes that we probably don't know yet where we're going to need them. We need more diversity. And um, with the subsea cables, the cables are landing in the new locations. And it's quite difficult to... Oh, It is difficult to predict where the traffic flows come from. So in the past, you, you would look at the, the gdp and um and the population of, of any country or city plan and, sort of yeah and um that's an easy way to select select the landing sites but now with the diversity uh requirements and and machine to machine traffic so how to actually evaluate those things so that's that's going to be difficult like i said earlier as well and we, we need more interconnection points so uh, m6 is expanding a lot DQX is expanding. Facility now in the Nordics, um, it's a very challenging. And um, then the capacity growth and, and new kind of a diverse connections. That's where we need also software. It's it's starting to be quite complex network to manage by humans. So um, machines like driverless cars can do it much better, without human
1: errors. That's right. <laughs> And AI coming in, so yeah. it's 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 all about software, guys. <laughs> By the end of the day, we, we cannot like it, but it's something we we have to move into. Also, um, sorry, please.
4: I, I just wanted one, one more thing. So uh, during those past events, I also had the chance to see the industry uh, from the infrastructure perspective, and as part of it, I see the infrastructure is also getting uh, very well developed as well. We see the you know, 100 gig port, their 100 gig interface, they're already there. 400 gig is already there. Now they are working on 800, 1.6 tera. With those, uh, the traffic, the data, it will be managed. And yeah, everyone is working really hard to, you know, get prepared
1: for the future. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Now, um, we talked the last um, uh, day and a half, actually, if I include today as well, um, about partnerships and and, and how important they they can be. Now, um, uh, Vincent, for you, what can you tell us about the the, the different partnership models uh, between uh, ISP, content, cloud, and and
2: capacity uh,
1: provider? What do you see from your point of view?
2: Well, I mean... It's, it's always a, a, a trick because when you are putting a, a cable under the ocean and you have a lot of uh, civil works, marine works, it's always a tricky yeah. back to realities and to talk who, who's gonna really uh, use it. So, um, the, the role of a link here is, is always to become a uh, to, to provide a high quality link between high and content at the end, right? So we are putting latency at the service of the ISPs to access content faster, and we are optimizing their transport and transit layer. And this is for the benefit of their subscribers. Basically, when you cut latency by two, uh, you optimize uh, their IP uh, efficiency uh, by two actually. Uh, so So before you were having, for example, Europe to Latin America, uh, taking, uh, taking 120 milliseconds, now we are having 60 milliseconds, and actually uh, uh, 10 gig there has the same efficiency on the shorter route than a 20 gig in the north. So first of all, it's, it's really there to, to optimize and to get uh, to get a better uh, better, uh, better connectivity. Okay. In terms of uh, partnership, as an example, uh, we've been working a lot with the kicks uh, the last years, right? And, and we've been able to working together to, uh, um, to push the message of latency towards the market and to propose to the Brazilian market mainly uh, a product which is really focused at accessing European content from Brazil. So with this improved latency, they have first a better experience for their users, but then they've been able as well to optimize their transport layer cutting some links that were not uh, uh, useful, and eventually uh, transferring a part of their IP transit services towards uh, layer one uh, services accessing directly uh, the peering points. So we really had to work hands and hands on that. Uh, on one side, and we are susceptible, so we have no content to propose. On the other side, uh, a peering point knows uh, these kinds of markets. So, uh bring it bring it together, we've really been able to 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 have a common value proposition for for the for the end users.
1: Okay, thank you. Emre, you want to?
4: Yeah, um, so for the partnerships in our in our industry, it's uh, you know most of the big projects, you need a lot of investment. therefore, the partnerships are crucial. Uh, in terms of for the submarine cables from my past experiences i i remember uh 3 for example was was the longest submarine cable in the world like 42000 kilometers i think and there were like 25 isp's cooperating together in order to connect uh the southeast asia you know the uh korea japan and then all the way to middle east and then europe and then northern germany so uh with such projects the global internet developed very well and we see this again in the in the today's market even the hyperscalers uh, a couple years ago they were just building the submarine cables only for them but now they are building and they are cooperating with isps and reselling rest of the idle capacity um, this is the for the submarine cable landscape but also in the isp uh in the ecosystem as am six we also partner uh, with ISPs and with other players a lot. Uh, like like I said, in other countries, we cooperate in order to create a local peering community there in order to localize the traffic. And at the same time, we cooperate in order to uh, help other ISPs around the world to connect other uh, internet exchanges and then uh, get the traffic with the
1: lowest latency and with the most uh, efficient way. Mm-hmm. So, um, Aki, why are partnerships so important in, in conjunction with the, with the s- submarine? Why, why? Why is it? I mean, I Emma, mean, I just I just mentioned something, but from my helicopter view, how, what do you see? What is what is so important, and what are we lacking, or what should way should we go actually?
5: Or well, maybe start with the. <laughs> because we are in a, in the internet business and what internet stands for it's a, it's a network of networks so it's kind of a natural partnership nobody can actually build there can be no single internet provider in in the world it's just possible so that's why it's always have been uh partnerships uh throughout the years uh, we have had the internet in a, in a subsea business like ever said it's it's a massive investment so you need to partner with, um, and it's it's really partnering with the in- investor. So if you're a developer or, or or cable owner, you need to partner with the investor. You need to partner somehow with the, with the governments because the permits are the kind of the biggest hurdle at, at the moment.
1: I'll come to that. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'll come to that. <laughs> and
5: uh, and then you need to partner with the, with the vendors. You need to partner with the. It's more kind of especially with the hyperscalers. It's more like a partnership with them. Uh, they want to uh play a role in the in uh, and making be part of the decision making process so it, it's it's all about partnerships
1: okay ethan what, what do you see i mean from the software layer you put over everybody and everything <laughs> it's yeah I, well i mean this we also need partnerships uh, across, you know, uh,
3: soft software providers for, you know, we focus on B- BSS automation mainly, um, but uh, yeah, we have to partner with with OSS partners uh, across across the globe uh, to fill to fill those. Um, those missing points and uh, and I think this is this is something that is uh, is becoming more and more like you said with the hyperscalers partnering with with industry partners but also some of the big players uh, you know some of the incumbents in, in the Middle East are, are joining forces to, to create new uh, new large data center ports landing stations etc. I think uh, we, we should see more collaboration. I hope for more collaboration. I, I, my understanding is that it's, it's not always uh, been the easiest thing in, in this industry on the big scale, uh, but.
1: No, but if, if, if I, I, because we're talking about the, the, these kind of subjects uh, already for, for years, but what I do see is that the inevitability of working together, partnering up and uh, creating the possibility to partner is becoming bigger you see it more happening and actually more willingness again it's inevitable i mean that there's no way i mean nobody can do everything by itself right, mm-hmm, right. exactly and actually one thing we're seeing uh, a
3: lot of uh, on the isp side of things is, is standardization of uh, of apis uh, of of a real drive from uh, from everywhere from the caribbean through through to the middle east of, uh of bringing processes up to up to scratch to be able to to allow for that collaboration to uh to move faster and i think it's something that's that's a little bit behind with telecommunications compared to i used to work in in, this, uh, in uh, the energy market and the the collaboration between different players and and the interoperability is the key word that we're, we're trying to drive is is, is much stronger there and, and i'm hoping it seems to be on the right path and i think we'll get there uh, over the next few years.
1: No, because let's not forget a lot of people are still, let's say, in the old operator, um, uh, telco mode, like, oh, no, I need to protect my part. And, oh, no, let's not give the information and let's not move on. But by the end of the day, they're the last one on the train, right? That's what we see now. And uh, and, and what I am seeing around is that people do understand that now. And they don't want to be the last one on the train anymore. So that's why it, 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 it's a catalysator, actually, as well for for, 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 the, for the partnerships. Do you agree? Yeah.
4: I just want to, I just want to add Please. one more thing uh, on this topic. So uh, we see partnerships in different parts of the world, and as part of it in Middle East, for example, there is this uh, alliance group, and as uh, Amsec we joined them because it's a, a local ISPs in Middle East, and uh, we joined them, and the goal is to increase the connectivity in the region. And uh with these the ISPs they will be providing connectivity and as AMSIX will be providing the peering uh, infrastructure for the required
1: uh, system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent, uh, um on the on the infrastructure planning, um uh, it is critical, and, and you mentioned already, I mean, that the investments, that the, they are huge. Can, can you share your, your view with the, uh, okay. with the audience? Is I, that-
2: I wanted to add something on the partnerships, right? I mean,
1: yes, please, please, right. please, 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 <laughs> please jump in.
2: Well, some of so the things that, uh, like Aki like said, on, on the government is, is super important. Uh, and this is something we've been uh, uh, enjoying in, in, in Portugal. Uh, there are projects such as ours that has a, a uh, big national or international uh, interest, which was really driven by, by that, uh, when you when you think about it in the past, elalink link was uh, uh, one of the ideas that was pushed at a at a summit between uh, the European Commission, uh, the European Union, sorry, and uh, and the um, and Brazil uh, at the time in 2014. And uh, and uh, and at the end, uh, having them uh, aware, having this awareness around different agencies uh, has been uh, has been instrumental. Uh, to have their support at the moment. You have difficulties in sub cable, like getting permits and all. So building these partnerships are, are very important. It's not only a, a customer provider relationship. Uh, and, and we have, of course, uh, multiplied uh, partnership, uh, over, over the partnership over the market. And we have to, we, we've been trying to, to, to develop this ecosystem around the project. Uh, it's, of course, uh, the, the users of, of the capacity at the end uh, or those who get some benefits, like data centers, op- operators that want to maximize their connectivity uh, or either content providers. But as well, we see like uh, gaming, corporates, etc. But, but it's always uh, uh, as well, sorry, uh, some other aspects, like at this particular moment, and since the beginning, we are collaborating with academical and scientific, scientists, sorry, and and, uh, and we've been putting in place some uh, some collaboration to explore how we could use the infrastructure, uh, subsea infrastructure, uh, to do some oceanic research. And uh, one of the conclusions at this moment is that uh, the academic network of Portugal has signed an agreement with Emacom, who is our uh, party in, in Madeira, for the for the scientific usage of the infrastructure and to get some parameters from the seabed. So. At the end, it's very important that in a, we get a value chain between the different stakeholders of, uh, of the market. So, not only uh, capacity users and providers, but as well whatever is around, and to have a, a really sustainable uh, participation uh, to this uh, to this ecosystem.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, uh, and on the planning, I mean, um, as as I mentioned. Um, uh, planning of the infrastructure, I mean, uh, uh, huge investments, huge stakes, huge, you know, timeframes frames, whatever. What, what can you share with the audience? Can, can, can you give them a glance of, 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 uh, of what's behind it actually?
2: Of course, of course. I mean, f- first when you put a subsea cable, you put, when you deploy and install and create a subsea cable between two points, basically because it's a rather simple concept. You connect a point A and a point B with a massive quantity of capacity for the future. And it is there for 25 years, because the, 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 the usable life, the design life of a subsea cable is around 25 years. So it takes a very long time. Uh, and it's a long way, specifically, for a private cable like uh, Eleni. Like so we are a private company. We are a, a project company. Uh, we are not existing uh, before this project. So we, are, we don't have our own uh, necessities uh, to create a cable When you are an incumbent and you uh, and you ally with a certain quantity of other incumbents inside the consortium, you have your own needs. You have a, a long-term planning, and uh, and this is why you are doing it, right? When it's a cable like us, uh, well. It's a long way, uh, it's back into 2011 where the first time say ideation of the project has, has, uh, has came to light. And then we got this uh, uh, political uh, support in 2014 from Europe and Brazil. Uh, and finally, once you get all of this, you need to find the money to do it. And finding the money to do it is uh, getting some uh, anchor customers that are, that are interested with the project before it exists. So in our case, it has been the BELA consortium, the uh, EMACOM for Madeira, Cabo Verde Telecom um, for Cabo Verde, and uh, and Texas. And finally, once you get all of this and you get uh, a capacity planning that uh, proves to be uh, sustainable for 25 years, uh, and you find the right financial partner, in our our case, it was uh, Marguerite, it's an investment fund. Uh, you are able to 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 launch the construction of your project. That's going to take two to three years. So it's a very very uh, long way. Uh, it's a way. <laughs> it's it's painful for 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 everyone. It's very painful. I think it's painful to build it, and it's always <laughs> a pain to operate. But uh, I mean, this is uh, where we've gone through. <laughs>
1: Okay, th- thank you so much, Marcel. Um Aki, I think that, um, I mean, um, you're supporting actually your clients, your partners from A to Z. You must have some nice stories with regards to to, to infrastructure planning, what's going on, what can go wrong, what, you know, g- 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 what can you share with us?
5: Yeah, it's, uh, of course, depending on the market which you operate, It's it's uh, it can be easier in, in some cases. It can be total pain so i i've been now uh, assisting one of my clients on the on the arctic cable project since 2016
1: that's the warmer part of the world yes
5: actually, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 uh, happy to have all these nice warmer warmer climates uh, yeah, come, come next <laughs> next one is probably going to be antarctica hopefully so i'm kind that of stuck with those the weather actually yes Exactly. Think about this, guys. But uh, it's, a, it's a quite a difficult process because there are so many aspects you need to actually count. And uh, when you're having a new route, there is kind of a no existing data which you can rely on. So you know, somehow need to create the financial model, uh, the revenue models and so on, and figuring out what is the actual demand on such route which doesn't exist. And, and that's kind of the very challenging part because, of course, it has to be convincing uh, for the investors uh, so they can trust that the project actually flies and they will get their money back. But um, yeah there's a lot of data available, so then it's kind of a mixing and matching and creating the model and, and calculations that how the market will develop, what kind of uh, of course because any new k- subsea cable will eat kind of from the, from the other cables and, and, and so on. So that may be the, the most challenging part. Of course, a lot of design uh, has to go in, in in place, looking at the route because it's um, the sea is quite a harsh and, and environment. We have a lot of fishing activities, and and uh, um, which is probably the biggest. It is the biggest kind of uh, uh, cause of uh, faults in the, in the subsea cables. So a lot of lot of planning needs to go there as well. Then. Uh, <clears throat> Also, the, the technology is, is increasing in the in normal space. Uh, and uh, how to actually then cope with the technological changes during the let's say, two to five year planning time you might have for the cable system. So a lot of things actually might change during that time. It's a positive effect because you when you then go in contracting force with the, uh, with the uh, supplier, you do the final design just. Like in first two months, and then then lock it. So, but yeah, maybe kind of the in a, in a non typical route, the financial planning and revenue planning. That's that's maybe the key challenge.
1: I think it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> it's a pain in the butt, just to say because you have to think about so many things, and it's all about, and it's and you don't know if it's future proof. I mean, you you mentioned Ethan. We are in an industry where we know what's coming at us, but it's not always certain. I mean, l- listening to, to, to Vincent and, and to, 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 to Aki, it's not always so, how can software help us with that?
3: well i mean we we know what we know what's coming but we also don't know what we don't know um, and we do need to be prepared for that i mean you know uh, with regards to the investment in in the infrastructure at the moment first of all long may it last um but <laughs> <laughs> second of all uh, and uh, you know knowing how complex how complex it, it, it is and how many moving parts we really do need to be Putting uh, putting software at at the core of that focus as well in the financial planning, like uh, like you mentioned, Aki. And I think this kind of gets put to the wayside uh, a, a little bit. You know, I've I've spoken with with companies across across the globe, uh, huge data center uh, infrastructures, and millions, millions, hundreds of millions in, uh, invested, and then you know uh, balking at at pennies in terms of of future proof software that will allow them to to deal with the unexpected, which will allow them to to plan for future expansion and uh and i think uh, this this is uh, a really a really key uh, aspect also for another uh factor that i think is definitely being taken more into account which is around sustainability um and uh you know uh, salesforce uh, I, I will speak of as, as is what i know um, have yeah recently launched a sustainability cloud. Um, which is, you know, can be implemented at the early stage of the bill to keep track of the carbon offprints and keep track of of all the the ways in which there is environmental impacts and be used for planning uh, for for various different uh, different ways to offset that. And I think, um, yeah, if we're if we're including this at the early stages uh, alongside all the the more traditional difficult uh, bigger scarier things uh, i think it's it's really a, a key for uh, for the future proofing of the industry
1: yeah but you know my question would be immediately sustainability that costs money that where there goes my business model so how how can we how can we cope with this one uh, just just quickly turning on the on the sustainability how can we improve that part where where can we i mean gentlemen one of you please take it um uh, how can we you know uh, encourage that 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 our, our co2 you know decreases i mean it's not easy but how how can we help this any one of you Vincent? maybe say anything you can say about this it's difficult huh
2: well that's nice thank thank, thank you very much <laughs>
1: <laughs> aki maybe a word on that one <laughs>
2: well if
5: we look if we look at the data centers i think they they can have the biggest biggest thing impact uh, on this one because they consume an enormous amount amounts of energy and we are now seeing already in uh, in the netherlands there's a moratorium right now for for hyperscalers they can't build anymore because they consume so much energy uh, and in uh, in uh, areas and actually bringing quite small amount to the to the local local community so what i've been thinking is that how could we actually give something back to the community and uh, in a in a simplistic term data center is is a heat exchange so you put x amount of electricity in you get pretty much the same amount of heat out then how to how you can utilize that heat be that a small kind of edge type of data center or or, or a large hyperscaler uh, of course in Finland we have a have a district heating system so it's a it's a constant need of uh of, since it's pretty cold as well, you don't have heat. to
1: cool anything in yeah, Finland. No, though. no, no. It's, it, <laughs> it's we are we enough. are a very cool
5: country and cool people. So cool people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the key. How can we how can we bring something back to the community that they they can actually accept it? So using the district heating system, you can actually do in many locations. You can do new zoning as well. Uh, then what we all need and sometimes forget the tap water, heat the tap water. That could be done, swimming pools, uh, processes in, uh, in the industry. Uh, I think that's the way kind of a turning it a little bit around the question that, yeah, they are consuming a hell of a lot of energy, but then they also contributing by, by not just wasting the heat, uh, but utilizing that somewhere
1: mm-hmm. no and i see uh, the, you mentioned the, the the smaller data centers. what we see for instance in germany is that i will not call a name but 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 the, what they do is they the heat they get out you know they just give back to the to, to, to the community to the to the little city they they're they in i mean uh, science have uh, I mean, we heard it yesterday from from uh, from felipe uh, uh, doing a, a great thing on the lng and 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 then the water supply so it's it's you know using that for for, for energy for, for for the data center so i think we are moving in we we it is on our eyeball i mean it's now especially in the eu it is i think number one number two issue which is which is on the agenda so i think it's a it's a, it's a um, uh, it's a good thing now um uh, we mentioned quickly governments and, and 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 these kind of things so um uh, akif if, if I, may, I may stay with you um uh, the isp the, what do they require actually from from governments to to to, to meet the the, the capacity uh, the demands and, and and you know and and then maybe what role do the ott uh, players play but but from a governmental point of view how can they support because everything if it's submarine if it's data center if it's you know what have you you always need the permits you always need the permits so so can you give us an, an, an a broad overview of of what we are facing and uh, maybe Vincent, you you can you you can jump in then later on yeah um, i
2: would say i mean the, the permit is some aspects of it right it's a, and it's a very uh, administrative work and um, it's more a question of not making too much for cable, which is actually that size i don't know if you can see it yeah it's Pretty, at the end, easy to install right? Uh, I would see it more broadly uh, for ISPs and for in general for the markets like to, 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 to uh, guarantee some kind of openness and, and neutrality on, on, on the market and to, to install some, some rules. Uh, you don't, I mean each and every everyone is not fighting with the same uh, uh, same sword. you have some guys that are getting, I don't even know what is massive for the revenue for, for OTTs uh, on, on, on advertisement and all that they can invest directly on infrastructure, whereas some others are struggling with, uh, uh, with the churn and the price of subscription of their, of their internet users, right, so granting this uh, this neutrality and this uh, this fair market is, is something important that the government should should think about. Uh, and and of course, as uh, as a, a subsidiary and private uh, uh, builder and operator, uh, we look for some uh, more financial support for strategical projects and not to leave them all to uh, to those uh, OTTs that at the end will terminate by controlling uh, 100% of the. Of the internet infrastructure I and mean, the, the, the infrastructure under the oceans right but there, there are some um, uh, um, so, some plans already uh, if you look at uh, uh, the european commission they put in place uh, uh, a program of funding which for the cf digital it's not for only for cable; it's for data centers as well and, and 5g's uh, uh, corridors and uh, th- these are a good signs that i think we should do, uh, We should go uh, ahead of that uh, and, and more powerfully, because otherwise you're going to leave a, a, a complete part of the, I would say, the, the ecosystem to a couple of players that will have a, a total control on it.
1: And we don't want that.
2: Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, Aki. <laughs> um, yeah,
5: this is quite a quite an in- interesting subject. Um, I think the governments can do do a lot for for the subsea cables, the kind of a challenge is is, is the permits, uh, and it's also the same thing with the terrestrial builds. builds. Uh, so kind of if the permitting time is like two years in some cases, how is that affecting your business plan, what you're doing in the planning phase? So it's a very challenging. So in in my thing, what the governments could do, they could be more prepared. Could we actually get ready-made cable corridors uh to the potential landing sites and
1: uh but is it then that us educating them
5: yes and this is exactly i think it was really good what uh, what google did with the equiano cable together with the copenhagen e- economics to really kind of uh, giving a different view on the market and i think what the government should do is kind of a look at the, the our infrastructure as a critical infrastructure and uh, therefore kind of prepare for it uh, one of the projects I was, I was part with um, in, in the Baltic Sea that's actually a public private partnership between the, uh, the government owned company and then the, the private investors um, it was finalized in 2016 and uh, been operational since so that's another kind of a way so of course the governments shouldn't interfere with the market unless there is a uh, uh, the market can't fill the needs and in this case there was, a, there was a demand from the market but not enough that the, the private company uh, would have started doing that. So that's when, when um, um, the Finnish government stepped in and, uh, and acquired an existing operator which is now operating the, the system and, and uh, provided kind of a seed financing for the, for the project uh, to lever leverage that and get the get the additional financing in place so that's that's kind of a one way and uh helping in in cases where the market can't actually actually uh do the cable but the there's a demand, but nobody it's it's quite a risky business uh still so that's one possibility but more more on the permitting side yeah if we could build kind of a ready-made corridors protection zones around the cables, I think that's even more critical because our whole infrastructure is very critical
1: uh, for any businesses in the world. Well, we saw that during COVID, I mean, a country like Germany, I mentioned that that example yesterday, I mean, they, they were completely shocked because they were not prepared, a country like Germany, I'm not talking about South Sudan, I'm talking about Germany, they were just so unprepared, they were not there, they were talking about it, yeah, maybe a bit left and right, then they were confronted with COVID. A lot of people working from home or staying home or whatever, be, being on Netflix six hours a day. It, 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 was, it was a blast. It, it, it was a blast. I mean, uh, maybe, I Emilio, mean, you, you, you can say something from, from, from the Dutch uh, b- point of view or, or the other markets that, 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 that you cover. But a lot of c- countries were not prepared. It was not there. It was not mission critical, as you mentioned. Yet, I think now it's on the agenda. Now everything is it, it's mission critical. But, I mean... Maybe, Emma, you have some...
4: Yeah, Um, so on this regard, I totally agree the government's support to the community is crucial. It really helps uh, to do business easier and also it really helps to develop further. Uh, On this regard, in the Netherlands, for example, the connectivity is very high uh, in the country, in the cities, and uh, during COVID, it was all good. Uh, But apart from this, from the submarine cable perspective, If you look at the cable landing stations, as we can see some of them, they are really shiny, but this is not just because it's a geopolitically strategic place, but it's also the governments in those uh, locations, they are really supportive because yeah, look at the Southern part of Europe. We have Marseille, we have uh, Italy, we have uh, Greece, we have Turkey on the uh, East side. We have now new uh, cable landing stations in Barcelona So if you look at all those, then, you know, we see some of them, they are going one step further, and obviously the the government support is huge to them, and uh, this helps the ISPs, the submarine cable providers, to do business uh, in an easy and fast way.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay all right we discussed quite uh, quite a lot now l- let's let's look ahead a bit i mean we talked a bit about planning and how difficult it is and then looking into the future ethan you you were mentioning that okay but we do have the data we know what's what, what what's coming towards us and maybe we cannot know the unknown of course um but 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 looking a bit at the future what do we see in isp country in in in, in ix country in submarine country what what, what software country what do we, uh, what do we see, and what, 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 do you, what can you predict, sort of? I mean, I'm not asking the glass ball, of course, but, but what do you see coming? What should we look out for? The unknown. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think this is, you
3: know, I, if we look, if we even, even this year, uh, I, we're, we're based in, in Poland, uh, and, and with. For four million refugees uh, um, now uh, living in the country, this sort of of uh, increase in demand uh, can't can't be accounted for. Uh, hopefully, other unknowns won't won't be quite as 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 horrific. But we need to like I. To, to repeat what I said, be really laying the groundwork uh, to to be prepared to not be uh, in the situation uh, Germany found itself in, uh, for for example, um, because uh, yeah, it's 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 really it is critical infrastructure and uh, and it's it's critical to the the ongoing um, even making sure uh, for, for the hyperscalers we, we saw how the world nearly uh, collapsed collapsing itself with a six hour facebook outage or meta outage <laughs> not too long oops whoops <laughs> turns out turning it off and on again was the solution <laughs> but um yeah so this is this is what, what i think we should be we should be going for uh and and unfortunately, yeah, maybe not as, as crystal ball, but uh, with the, the cloudy bit of the crystal ball is, is what we need to be
1: preparing for. And I think we're on the right path. It's okay. an exciting time. Okay, thank you. Emrah? What's your future scope? <laughs> yeah,
4: so... Uh, enlighten us. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's obvious that the traffic, the global uh, data traffic, it will increase again significantly, especially uh, from the other parts of the world, like Africa, like uh Southeast Asia and then the Latin America and as part of it uh, there will be more uh digital hubs let's say because when we look at the world today we see in Europe for example Amsterdam Frankfurt London they are the biggest uh data hubs and then when we look at the whole world then we see Singapore in Southeast Asia in Middle East again in uh in the US but so with more data we will see more localization The hyperscalers, most probably they will go into uh, more locations and then the more localized data. And of course, more uh, data hubs around the world, we will see. And this will also help us a lot in our uh, daily life because when there is lower latency, we have a better life.
1: <laughs> That's what you always. Do. You wake. You go to bed. You dream about it. and you wake up with it. Right. Low latency. Vincent, please, your 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 take on the on the future. What should we look out for?
2: I, I, I'll talk about a, a, a closer future, right? Um, yeah, the one which is really touching the ground for us. Uh, While well, we see basically Portugal becoming uh, transforming from a bit of a corner of the European uh, global network into a. Uh, the real place to be and, and the real uh, place where uh, attracting uh, more and more content and, and becoming absu- uh, an absolute hub. Uh, when you see in the, between the last year and next year, we have uh, three major data, center, uh, data centers, sorry, uh, subsea cable arriving, uh, two from Africa, one from Latin America. Uh, we are seeing sp- which is probably the biggest uh, data center development in Europe happening in CNES. Uh As for per as uh, uh, Edalink, we are uh, trying to uh, comfort uh, this ecosystem and put and, and it more solidity by having uh, uh, this, uh, this cable between CNES and, and Lisbon. We are connecting new countries, We're just connecting Morocco. Uh, We're working at Mauritania at the moment. It's not a massive geography, but it's a multiplication of uh, geographies. So we wish with all of our hearts uh, that uh, Portugal is becoming something big in Europe uh, and, uh, and we really believe it.
1: So, so you really think that Marseille being huge with uh, what is it 125 terabytes combined to, 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 uh, to here in Portugal, which is eight terabytes, that there is a, uh, the cake is big enough?
2: Actually, what I believe is that uh, of the creation of a new uh, thousand corridor of data uh, from Marseille to Madrid and Barcelona uh, toward Lisbon. Instead, I um, mean to create a new a new flap uh, here and there. Uh, I think the data is going to transit either from uh, Asia to uh, to America. Uh, of course, uh, stopping uh, stopping in Europe, but maybe not needing to to go further north as it is today, like going to Frankfurt, uh, Paris, Amsterdam, or London, and to maybe remain in this southern part of Europe. So this uh, a creation of this uh, a thousand corridor of data. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you, Aki. Last famous words. What do you? Uh, what, how do you scope the future?
5: Yeah, we we like everybody said, we definitely are seeing much, much more new hubs and data hubs coming up. Uh, then, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm from Finland and, and the Nordics is, of course, close to my heart. But, of course, it's not just that, but it's the sustainability of the, of the data centers as well, as well because of the cool air and, and available green energy. Uh, so more and more cables are coming coming there now. And and it's actually what I've been selling, selling kind of with the Marseille and so on. If you look at the globe, surround object, you can actually put any place in the world as the middle middle point. So that's actually beauty. And with the subsea cables, that's actually possible, uh, like we heard yesterday of uh, Omantel and, and uh, now what Vincent uh, mentioned. Uh, the second thing is that yeah, we are going to see a lot more, lot more fibers, lot more diversity, uh, diverse fibers. So not not maybe necessarily the usual usual parts. But since uh, our last boom of, of uh, building subsea cables was 20 years ago, and uh, the system lifetime is is uh, is 25 years approximately, so we need more more cables. We might have the capacity available in some some cases. Some cases the capacity is not there. So companies such as such as infinera and and Sienna, they can they can do upgrades on the on the system. And that has to be planned as well so it's not like you're having a one necessarily one um technology throughout the 25-year lifetime some companies are actually changing every five years because the advancement in the in the technology so yeah a lot more data hubs a lot more new cables we have still one one continent that is not connected with the subsea cable and that's Mm antarctica and hopefully hopefully soon it's it's for research and education purposes so there is no actual commercial commercial uh need for for, for or that much commercial need for such cable but for research and education that's highly important mm-hmm.
1: okay thank you let, let me look into the audience audience do you have any questions for these gentlemen no I no okay then i'm gonna i would like to first of all would like to thank my 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 panelists Vincent. thank you and ella link thank you for sponsoring this session and thank you for your keynote presentation has absolutely been interesting so thank you so much for for that Vincent, and uh, and greetings to 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 marseille um ethan thank you so much good having you here even if it's from the software perspective but again that's the thing what i like because it's not always inevitable hey but we have to think about the software as well no we do because otherwise nothing happens so on the ix side i love your socks man i i i, I love the socks thank you so much thank you so much and uh, and aki always a pleasure and honor having you so um so thank you very much gentlemen and then i hope you enjoyed it i hope you enjoyed it out there and uh, because we're broadcasting this live over the internet so, um, uh, and with these words, I would like to uh, close the session. And don't, because stay tuned, because this afternoon we have another session. The last of this, uh, GCCM Lisbon. So thank you so much. Uh, enjoy, and, uh, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, bye. Ciao. Thank you.
0: If you would like to read this article or view it in its original video format, you can find both sources at www.carriercommunity.com where you can also find out more about our CC Executive Interviews, CC Webinar Lives, and CC GCCM Magazine Industry Articles. Thank you for tuning in to the CC Podcast Telco, and be sure to subscribe to us on whatever platform you're tuning in from to make sure that you never miss out on these vital industry insights. See you next time.